So sustainability is not just ESG. Sustainability is also S, financial, O, operational, S, strategic, right? So sustainability is a broader term, and that's really the context that, that CEOs need to be thinking about. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this series. And in today's conversation, we'll discuss a new era of CEO leadership in ESG, one in which the C-suite are playing a bigger role in ensuring the ROI of sustainability investments. Joining me today is Paul Washington, the Executive Director of our ESG Center here at the Conference Board. Paul, welcome. Delighted to be with you, Steve. So, Paul, you know, we've talked about ESG on and on, and this is your life, uh, but just give us a just a brief deal on what is the E, what is the S, what is the G? Sure. It stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and it's a term that was coined um, actually 20 years ago in 2004 in a UN report that said that companies and, and investors and others should focus not just on financial performance, but on their environmental, social, and governance performance, because focusing in those areas would enhance not only companies' shareholder value, but frankly, society at large and uh, economic growth. So that's where it came from. Um, since then, the term has sort of evolved in all kinds of uh, ways, but at its core, it means that you're focusing on a broader array of areas where companies have an impact on society. Yeah, and this this whole field has evolved over the past couple of decades. I mean, it started kind of very small and now it's become a pr- pretty big part of what every company has to deal with. Not not only in terms of, you know, the stuff coming at them, but also in terms of societal demands and so forth. But, you know, talk to us about, you know, what are some of the key trends affecting the ESG landscape today? Sure. Well, it's a much different world from what it was even two years ago. Um, a couple of years ago, major institutional investors were the loudest voices in the room um, advocating for companies to address climate change, to address some other social issues, including um, diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and they'd always advocated for good governance. But institutional investors were the loudest voices. And frankly, companies were operating in a bit of a, call it pro-ESG echo chamber. Well, starting the, in early 2022, things started to shift a little bit. Investors, their voices quieted a bit in 22, and especially in 2023, partly because they were hearing from some people upstream, especially state regulators, who are saying, we're not going to invest in you, BlackRock or Vanguard or others, if you're too pro-ESG. So investors' voices have quieted down. Uh, they're much less vocal. At the same time, you know, regulators had been a little quiet in this area. Uh, ESG was really being driven by investors and market forces. But now regulators, as investors quiet down, regulators are playing a much bigger role. And interestingly, it's not for U.S. audiences. It's not the SEC. It's actually Europe that's leading the world in regulating additional disclosure in the whole area of ESG that's going to have a direct impact on U.S. companies. 
And along with regulators stepping up, there's another area where folks are stepping up and it's business, business customers. So businesses are expecting their upstream suppliers to have stronger sustainability programs, whether relating to climate or water or biodiversity or human diversity, equity, inclusion. So you see investors quieting down and you see regulators stepping up, business customers stepping up. And against all of that, there's also ESG backlash. So it's no longer a pro-ESG echo chamber. There's definitely, there's a growing number of folks who are skeptical on, or outright opposed to this whole area. Yeah, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that backlash. But, you know, this whole this whole thing about, you know, all of a sudden something, you know, peaks and then it kind of ebbs, you know, it's sort of the ebb and flow like the tide. But but part of that is trying to get the balance right, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you you have all of these constituents as a company leader or as a board member that you have to deal with. You have to deal with customers, employees, owners, the environment, community, suppliers, and you've got to do it in a balance. And I think, you know, what I think what you said is, you know, there were a lot of voices with the investors. And I think that was mostly because there wasn't enough being done. And then when that started to, to when ESG focus started to go above the, you know, normal returns on their investment well you had to sort of swing the pendulum back and isn't that isn't that kind of uh what we're dealing with right now is to try to find the right balance between all the constituencies yeah i, I think so so in some ways you know when when the head of blackrock spoke people jumped right and there wasn't necessarily the same degree of careful analysis given to wait a second uh, you know, should we actually be doing this? Or how does this fit with our company? So I think we're now at a state of uh, greater maturity where companies should be looking at these issues of environmental and social responsibility in the same way they look at other business issues, which means balancing um, financial and other forms of return and balancing the interests of multiple stakeholders in a, you know, in a disciplined and thoughtful manner. So I actually think we're in a better place now um, perhaps than we were before, but it is in fact a more challenging time because you're not just you know dancing to the tune of uh, of you know three big institutional investors. Well, you know the other thing though is you can't peanut butter these issues. I mean, what what yep. what is an environmental issue to an oil company is not the same as an you know environmental issue for you know somebody who is a, you know produces software, right? So. Part of this is got to be customized by company and industry and what you know what issues are most relevant for them. And I think I think part of what we're seeing now is is a little more customization, isn't it? No, absolutely. And and you know, investors to their credit are recognizing this because as their voices have gotten a little quieter, they're also frankly looking to the board and saying, okay, board of directors, have you really thought through the issues that are important to your company, and are you addressing them in a thoughtful, strategic manner that serves the interests of shareholders and, and others as well? So, I, yeah, I entirely agree with you um, that there's a little less of a sort of one-size-fits-all approach, and investors understand that. Um, it does mean that this is, it, it's interesting for companies because, you know, even companies that may not have a big environmental footprint, they can still be significantly infect, affected 
by environmental changes. If their people are working in areas, frankly, that are, you know, more vulnerable to significant weather events that are made worse by climate change, they're working in coastal zones, whatever it is, you know, even companies that may not think of themselves as having a big environmental footprint impact can in fact be impacted by climate and by, um, you know, social unrest and other issues. So sort of every company needs to think about these issues at, in a way that's tailored to the company, but frankly, every company needs to focus on these issues. And there, when our, we did our C-suite outlook last year, there were about 20% of US CEOs who said that they weren't, their firms weren't affected by climate. My guess is the number is actually closer to zero. Well, and you know, that it, it, as a CEO, it, it, it was something that was delegated to the experts, yes. the so-called experts. And you had environmental people, you had, you know, your foundation or your donations people, you had your governance people. And so it was just, you know, you guys take care of it, make sure we don't, you know, violate any laws. Now, as you're saying, it's become really part and parcel to the business strategy as, as this has evolved, which is, you know, I think a, a good thing. Um, but then, you know, the regulators and the investors are focusing on disclosure. Now that sounds like something that's ominous, but what they really want to, they just really want to understand how companies are thinking about it. They want to make sure that these issues are on the forefront. They don't want to jam companies, you know, to, to deal with every little issue, but tell us what you think is important and how you're dealing with it. And that's, that's your point on disclosure. No, that's exactly right. And that does put the burden on companies to have thought this through really quite thoroughly and you know and to understand the interrelationships among multiple different environmental issues and social issues and that you know doing something that may seem good for the environment may actually have some negative social implications so it's it it puts the onus on companies and on CEOs in particular um, to become more involved uh, perhaps than they they have been in the past um, and have well, a deeper understanding of these environmental and social issues. Yeah, something that you shouldn't be delegating. So therefore, yeah. you know, talk about what what the role is of the CEO and also of the board in yeah. managing all these issues. So the CEO and the way, the way when we did a recent convening um, with CEOs from both the U.S. and Europe, we've been doing these annually. This most recent one was first transatlantic one of CEOs to talk about their role at the helm of ESG. And frankly, they're the that they need to address this coming out of that discussion. This isn't me talking. This is what they said. That frankly, the CEOs do need to become personally involved and personally conversant in environmental and social issues and their intersection with the company's business. But and why? They should, but why? Why? Yeah. Because it's going to affect the sustainability of their company. It's right. going to, and, these issues are going to have an impact on the company's long-term success, even in some cases it's survival, right? So it's, 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 you know, it's, there are two sides, right? These issues are going to affect your company and your company is going to have an impact on these issues. So these, these, you know, climate change is, is affecting, um, you know, a wide swath of, of companies. Water scarcity is biodiversity or the destruction of species are supply chain disruptions, um, wars, civil unrest, uh, declining rule of law, challenges to democracy. All of these issues are posing risks as well as sometimes opportunities for companies. So yeah, they, they merit CEO attention, but the way they merit CEO attention 
is not in a sort of isolated way where it's like, oh, just we're reacting to whatever just comes over the transom that day, right? No, it actually requires a more proactive strategic approach where you say, okay, what are the main intersections between our company and you know, a subset of the 250 environmental and social issues out there? So you figure out the intersections and then you figure out how you're currently addressing those issues and how you should address those issues more effectively as part of your ordinary business strategy process, right? Like having a separate sustainability strategy is not the point here. The idea here is to incorporate these issues and stakeholder perspectives and impacts into your regular strategic planning process. And the CEO is the only person at an organization who can make sure that that happens. Well, and and, and you have to you have to identify the, you know the intersection of the business strategy, the you know yeah. the company's business and all of these things that are happening all around us. I mean, you mentioned a few, but there are more and and yeah. and that's not to mention the gray swans and the and in the black swan events which gosh seem to be happening with even more certainty um as right steve and the thing is that when you're thinking about this you need to think not about your company in isolation but you really need to think about your upstream supply chain and your downstream customers so you can think of yourself oh we're you know we're a software providing company we don't have a big impact in in on the environment and so forth well no actually well you're you're reliant on upstream suppliers from taiwan your downstream customers are in the middle east like there's you you actually have to look at these not in isolation as just your own operations but you need to look at these uh, the intersections in the products and services you sell those you buy your operations your people and your intersections with uh with government and others yeah i mean it's all over the place i mean you people yeah. used to think, think about this as uh well it's the it's the uh you know the environmental police making sure we don't pollute i mean those days are that yeah, one at one time. I mean, that's not where we're at today. What we're what we're trying to do is, and, and the term sustainability sounded like you know the granola eating people in Vermont or something. <laughs> but it, it's it's about making sure that 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 supply chains are sustainable. The company's yes. business models are sustainable over the long run, given all of the stuff happening. You know, just a few of the so it, it it goes well beyond you know the way we used to think about these things, and it's just part and parcel to um, to a company's strategic plan now. Yeah, if anything, you think about sustainability, as you said, it's it's financial sustainability. It's first of all, do you have a sustainable business model? Are you financially sustainable? Are you operationally sustainable? And are you operating in a way that's broadly responsible? right, environmentally and socially responsible, because that all contributes to sustainability. So sustainability is not just ESG. Sustainability is also F, financial, O, operational, S, strategic, right? So sustainability is a broader term, and that's really the context that I agree with you, that, that CEOs need to be thinking about this. What's different from traditional sustainability was that it was just more focused on financial and operating and stock performance, right? Now, it's a wider array of factors that people realize affect the company's long-term health and ability to thrive, and a, a wider array of stakeholders whose uh, welfare the company really depends upon. We're talking about the current state of ESG and the company strategy. We're gonna take a short break and be right back. What does the future of work mean for your employees? 
How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the Conference Board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem-solving for your organization. Membership at the Conference Board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy, and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts, member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. Consider becoming a Conference Board member today by visiting www.conference-board.org. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Paul Washington, the Executive Director of the ESG Center at the Conference Board. Okay, so Paul, right before the break, we were talking about the role of the CEO and why it was so important that the CEO from a strategic standpoint, be so engaged in these issues. Let's talk about the board. Um, the board of directors typically was kind of viewed as, you know, okay, they're out there, but they, you know, this isn't stuff that you know that they should be involved in. But now, increasingly, it is. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, look, the the board, as part of its responsibility in overseeing or approving or reviewing the company's strategy, um, should be asking. Um, you know, where sustainability fits in. They should be conversant in this. They should understand from management what are the main intersections between our company and this broader array of sustainability issues. Um, what is our strategy to address those issues as part of our business strategy? And then, frankly, along with that is how are we doing on it, right? Measuring the, the progress the company is making um, both in terms of addressing the substance of these issues and its relationship with various stakeholders. So the board plays a really important role here. And I, I would note something that's, that's I think, kind of interesting is that this, this area, if, if handled correctly, sustainability, if handled correctly, really plays to what should be a core strength of the board, which is its strategic planning and strategic thinking capabilities. If the board is just in a sort of independent oversight, you know, we're gonna second guess management or just make sure management's doing its job sort of in a compliance mindset, the board's not actually fulfilling its role in this area. The board needs to make sure that it's, it's working as a full on thought partner with management that the company is addressing this, these areas uh, you know, uh, strategically and very importantly, that the company is looking at the opportunities and not just the risks. There is, yeah. just as there's a digital transformation of business, there's a sustainability transformation of business that we're still at the early stages in. It is ineluctable. It is, it is, it is happening and it is going to happen. And boards can play a very important role in making sure that with all this regulation coming out, is the company focusing on the business opportunities here? Yeah, and and you know it 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 uh, you, you said the word compliance, and you know I think that used to be the view of the board was we yeah. got to make sure that that we just follow the laws. But increasingly, you know, that's like driving the car by watching the rearview mirror. You have a perfect knowledge of where you've been, but you don't you know you don't really uh, have a focus on where you're going, and you're going to hit something eventually. I mean, yeah, and and one of the troubles that we face in the U.S. in particular is that the the role of the board and of the committees were sort of codified now 21 years ago. And um, the 
the SEC and the stock exchanges basically pigeonholed the board, which made sense. It was in the aftermath of Enron and WorldCom and, you know, and, and they pigeonholed the board into this kind of independent oversight role, right? On governance. And on governance, right. And not thinking about the board's role in decision-making and thought partnership. And so we have a little bit of a mismatch between the regulatory structure here that's set up for boards and what yeah. boards actually need to do these days. And so that's why it's really important for boards to think about, okay, how can we be adding value? And it's sometimes it's at the committee level, but very often it's at the full board level. Like how can we be adding value to make sure that we're integrating sustainability into our business, into our strategy, into our, our operations, into our culture? Yeah, and this whole point about you know governance only, I mean, it's statutorily required that you have to have a committee focused on yeah. governance. It's not statutorily required that they focus on environmental or sustainability or societal issues. So now the board's challenge is to figure out where that you yeah. know responsibility lies. In, in some cases, the governance committee is picking up ESG. In some cases, there's an ENS committee or a corporate citizenship committee or you know some other committee that's not required by law, but but is just it, what is a fourth or a fifth committee overseeing all of these things to make sure that the company is thinking about it in a proactive manner. Yeah, and and one of the things that may happen is companies may temporarily set up committees that sort of say, okay, we're going to focus on sustainability. But I think in the ideal world, this sustainability becomes something like integrity, something like innovation, something like, you know, that, that are just, it's embedded in the company's culture, it's embedded in the company's processes, it, in its mindset, in the way it approaches, um, you know, day-to-day -day life at the company, the way the board thinks, the way the senior management thinks. And if it's truly integrated into the company's business, then it should be just naturally integrated into all of the board's discussions at the outset of the year in business planning and at the end of the year when it holds itself and management accountable for its performance. So, you know, you you do this every day. You study this. You you know, you, our members, you, you know, spend a lot of time working with you on this. Give us some examples of companies that, if and you may not want to mention them by name, but examples of companies that are that are really doing a great job in this area. Sure. Um, well, I'll I'll give you a, a a couple that I think. Well, I'll give you I'll give you one. It's J.M. Huber is a private company, and they're uh, really an extraordinary example of building sustainability into their corporate culture. And they've done that by, frankly making sure that everyone under, at the company understands the, the intersections between their multiple businesses and, um, and, and sustainability issues. They've done it by bringing in outside um, uh, players. It's a privately held company, but they've, you know, they've got customers, they've got others. And making sure that people at the company understand that sustainability has a real business purpose and it's not a vanity project of, of the CEO. And so that's a company where it's really built into the culture increasingly. And I, I think they've done a really fine fine job. I recently met with the boards of a couple different companies um, that are in the, uh, I won't name them, but um, in the uh, engineering and construction space. And those companies, it's really interesting, their entire business model has now shifted to focus on sustainability. So it's not sort of an add-on, it's not an enhancement. It's actually their core value proposition in working with their clients these days is to help them um, 
you know, build and operate their facilities in a sustainable manner. Um, which brings me to a, a sort of a, a side point here, which is I think that given the, the fact that businesses are focusing on their own sustainability journey and they're looking at their upstream suppliers, you may see B2B companies uh, really taking the lead, you know, as opposed to business to consumer companies, B2B companies may be taking the lead here in, in, uh, in sustainability, integrating sustainability into their business. Consumers right now are, you know, they'll buy a sustainable product, but one thing we've learned in discussions with our members is you can't just label it green or label it sustainable and expect people to pay more for it. You have to give them something extra. You have to give them convenience. You have to give them something besides just sustainability to get them to buy it. Businesses, the vast majority of procurement officers at businesses are looking at the sustainability records of their upstream suppliers. So look for B2B businesses probably to take the lead here in the sustainability transformation of the economy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Nobody wants to pay more for it, which means that you really have to engineer all of this into your, your current business models as we go forward. But how do you, yeah. you know, so how do you, it, you know, how are you advising companies to measure this and hold themselves accountable for getting some sort of return? You know, it used to be that this was just, it was do-gooders. This was the right thing yeah. to do. You, you know, the sky's the limit on how much you should spend. That's not the way we're thinking about it anymore. It's, it's basically, all right, you, you've got to do all this, but you've got to make it pay. Yeah, and I think you're, you're right. And because obviously if we're, you're bigger investors who are telling you, you need to do this or we're not going to invest in you, that sort of made the calculation easier. But that's not the situation these days, especially as companies are integrating sustainability more deeply. So it, it, it I'd say it a little bit depends on what the benefits are of integrating sustainability. So in some areas, it's relatively straightforward. Hey, we're cutting energy usage, so you're saving money. That's relatively easy return to calculate. In other areas, ah, we've introduced a new sustainable line of sneakers or fashion or whatever it might be, right? Um, what's the P&L on that? That's relatively easy to calculate. Um, another area that's a little harder to calculate, but it's definitely something you can do is the impact of your initiatives on your ability to attract and retain talent, enhance your brand um, reputation. All of those things are things that companies have done for a while in other areas. Um, you can calculate that as well. The hardest area um, that's out there is, okay, what are we doing not just individually, but collectively as, as industry to lower the risks of climate change and so forth? And you know, how does that affect the, the, the overall, you know, externalities that we're dealing with? Um, that's a little harder to calculate, um, but it's not beyond the ken of, of mankind to do that. I, I think one of the things that will be an interesting challenge for companies is as sustainability gets more deeply integrated into their business, they will not be looking at the ROI of sustainability separately. They will be looking at the impact of sustainability on the ROI of their core business. So at the outset, when you've got discrete projects and products and things like that, you, you can probably do a separate ROI analysis. As people mature in this area, what you really ought to see is a change in the company's ROI overall. And that's, that's going to be, you know, for some companies that'll happen sooner than for others. But I think that's ultimately the, the the goal here. So just to wrap up for 2024, 
what are the key things, key challenges that a company should be focused on? Oh, it's an easy world out there, Steve. You know, it's there's nothing big happening. Um, look, I, I think that what companies need to do uh, in this environment is is to be aware that there are a few big things happening. So there is um, increased geopolitical risk. There's and that's domestic and international, right? Um, there is a fundamental technological transformation that's happening. Um, now accelerated by AI, um, and there's an escalating regulation coming down the pike. So what do companies need to do amid all of this is understand their impacts on the company, but not lose sight of the longer term sustainability transformation of the economy. That's going to take, you know, a majority of CEOs recognize the shift to renewable energy is going to be good for their business, but they're not yet really focusing on investing in that. So a big challenge for the companies in 2024, as sort of as always is, but amid all the noise, all the, the risks, all the things, the, the fresh hell that comes over the transom every day in, in C-suites across America and across the world, don't lose sight of the long-term business opportunities that exist that are available to you as a company from the underlying fundamental sustainability transformation of our economy um, to becoming more environmentally and socially responsible and sustainable. Those opportunities are there. Don't, don't lose sight of them. Paul Washington, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure, Steve. Great to be with you. And thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week, I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in geopolitics, economics, ESG, and more. Please share CEO perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends, with your grandmothers, with everybody who cares about the environment and where we're going. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.